What is going on? Welcome to Land Podcast. This week, we have a great episode about a subject that we have not covered in the past. Some great information that I know will be helpful for anyone that is buying land in the future. So we're going to dive into all of that here in a moment. Before we do so, I have a couple quick announcements. The first one being is the Exodus Upgrade program is back. Do yourself a favor and upgrade to the industry leading line of Exodus cameras. This is an opportunity for anyone ready to kick their old unreliable trail camera to the curb and upgrade to an Exodus cell camera. This offering includes any trail camera maker model, period. This could be a camera that's on the last leg or even a camera that should be on its way to the recycling bin. Starting right now, use the code UPGRADE to save 25% off any Exodus cell camera. If you've been on the sideline waiting to try one of our Exodus renders or new Exodus rival cameras, this is a excellent opportunity to save and get in the cellular trail camera game. The process is very simple. Head to the website, use the code UPGRADE, save 25% off. We're gonna send you a return label for the camera you are trading in. Ship that camera to us with your return shipping label that was provided by us. And then after receiving that camera, we're gonna fulfill the order and get you your brand new Exodus camera. We've put a lot of thought into this program and we hope you take advantage of upgrading to an Exodus cell camera backed by the industry leading five-year no BS warranty. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at info at exodusoutdoorgear.com and take advantage of it and get some cameras for this summer, this spring, and obviously this fall. So I hope you guys take advantage of it. Also, I'm just gonna give a friendly plug to Acre Maps. I'm telling you guys, if you wanna get on there and play around with the free version, it's really cool. They have a mobile version, a desktop, and as a land broker, that is the first tool I use and almost the only tool I use now. I went from paying for a bunch of different map subscription services and it's all in one place now. So go check that out at acres.co. And then if you're brand new to the show, I'm gonna tell you this, goal here is to help 100 people buy their first piece of land. Three ways to be included in that list of 100. Number one, if you are in the state of Illinois, I'm happy to assist you. I'm a licensed broker here and I've been helping buyers find the right property for them based off their goals. Number two, if you wanna get connected with someone I would personally do business with, happy to make an introduction and you can make a decision from there. And number three, if you just simply learned something from this, let me know, I wanna add you to the list. Um, I know we're over halfway there. I haven't pulled up the spreadsheet here for maybe a week or two but we are over halfway. Wanna say thanks to everyone for the overwhelming support for this project. And this is a great episode, so let's go ahead and get right into it. Alec, welcome to the Land Podcast. How's it going? Great, Jake. I appreciate you having me on and I'm really excited to be talking to you today. I'm excited too. It's tax season and uh, we're gonna be talking about something that I know, feel really confident that it's overlooked by a lot of people, landowners, prospective landowners, and uh, maybe even some accountants too, quite frankly. So um, I'm really excited to dive into section 180. And uh, But before we do so, um, I know you have a disclaimer and then you can uh, introduce yourself too. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, okay. So uh, Agricultural Soil Management LLC or myself, Alec Bean, uh, make no representations regarding the income tax implications or other use of the excess soil fertility opinion of value information and does not provide legal or accounting advice. Consultation with a tax and or financial advisor is recommended. Perfect. Well, that's we got that out of the way. So don't <laughs> get the, mad yeah, now. <laughs> the, yes, the legalese and and I've covered myself now. So yeah, um, I am an independent agronomic consultant. Uh, my company, uh, we're the independent agronomic advisory experts. 
So we serve farm managers, private equity, and um, the consummate farmer space. And, and in your case, I mean, in anybody's case, really, uh, landowners, people that are buying land. Our expertise is in soil testing, crop scouting, and, and most recently, and what we're going to talk about today, is IRS Section 180 Consulting. Um, so we've been in business about 40 years. I have not owned the company for 40 years, um, but uh, this is something that uh, I'm really excited about. You know, soil testing is not exactly uh, exciting. It's and not so, a big deal. I'll tell you that. <laughs> exactly. So it's been really fun um, since we started offering this service to talk to people and not have them have their eyes glaze over talking about soil testing. It's something that people are excited about and, and I'm yeah. excited about it. So, yeah, I mean, quite frankly, it sounds you start talking dollars. I mean, to what potentially could happen if you go through this process and um I guess diving right into it. I mean, so we have section 179, which is like heavy equipment for farm equipment. I think most people know what section 179 is. And, and if you own some ground, more than likely you've used it. But section 180 is what we're going to talk about here today. And so I guess right off the rip, I mean, who does this potentially apply for? Yeah. So really, um, this applies to anyone buying land. Um Primarily, it's going to be more on the production agricultural side of things, um, <clears throat> but it, it would classify for pasture land. Um, in you know, so say you buy a recreational tract, but there's some uh, there's some ag parts of it. You know that this would apply to you as well. So mm -hmm. section 180. Uh, I guess I would start off by saying folks are pretty. Uh, familiar with the idea that you can depreciate tile lines, um, fences, uh, barns and buildings, things of that mm -hmm. nature. But a lot of folks really aren't aware that you can also depreciate excess fertility. And that's that's really what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. Before we get into that, though, talk a little bit about how it would potentially work to use a deduction on tile or fencing um, or buildings. Is that a, like, do you have to do so I know some buildings get to a, a, like cost segregation study in order to do that. Is that something similar to what it would be for fencing and tiling or, or what would that potentially look like? Yeah. And so a lot of the answers that I'm going to give, unfortunately, I'm going to have to preface by saying, of course, I'm not a CPA and sure. really everybody's situation is going to be a little different and how they're, they want to play the tax game. Um, so in, in most cases, you know, folks would take the depreciation of those assets, like the, the buildings and fences on a schedule um, or at once, just depending on how your CPA wants to run things. Okay. And then is that usually if you wanted to run it on a schedule, can you do, are you aware if you can do that? Is it for five years, 10 years, 30 years, or is it up to your discretion? The the IRS has some guidelines set out on how long you can take certain things. I, um I don't want to talk out of turn here, but I have a feeling that I think buildings are somewhere around the 30 year mark, mm -hmm. somewhere in there. Tile, probably similar. Um, okay. that's, an, that's an area that I'm not as familiar with. More so the soil fertility. Yes. Exactly. Which, which is much, much, uh, people are much less informed on that. So I'm excited to get into that more. So it's mainly applies to people that own land. Do you, does this occur after a transaction or a change of ownership? Is that what typically triggers this process? In most cases, yes. Um, so we'll, we can kind of walk through that. 
Um, yeah, most of my clients are folks that have recently acquired land, farmland. Um, within the last year or so, um, the, the biggest part of this is that it's only available on the buyer's side, okay? So the person purchasing the parcel of land. Um, there have been some situations in which uh, a CPA has given the blessing on like an inheritance, mm -hmm. uh, running this through an inheritance, but the vast majority of my clients are folks that have bought farmland um, for this purpose. Have you done any for pasture ground? I, I know here in Illinois, it's not as prevalent as other parts of the country, but have you, have you seen what that looks like? Cause I assume, I assume, and I could be wrong in assuming this, but I imagine the deduction is much higher for highly productive fertile ground versus more rough ground. Yeah. So, um, I have not, like you mentioned, we don't have a lot of pasture land here in Illinois. Um, but the guidance I've received from CPAs has been that um, pasture land, it's an, it's an agricultural asset. And so there's nothing to say that you couldn't turn around and turn it into cropland. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel very comfortable in conducting these reports on pasture land as well. Okay. And then I guess this is probably a, a question for later, but I'll ask now. So I assume you're measuring key components of the soil. And mm -hmm. I, I would just guess that some of the pasture ground, it would be a lower pounds per acre for like phosphorus or something else like that in pasture ground. Yeah, exactly. So um, the universe, how I kind of base all my, my, my standards are off of university information. And so in a lot of cases, agronomically, pasture does not need as many nutrients as a cropping land would be. So the standards are different. Okay. Uh, but the ability would still be there. Yep. Okay. So, all right. So this, um, as we're going through this, typically someone that just recently acquired land mm -hmm. and what, is there a window to where it has to be? Is this like you buy the farm, you close on it and the next week you start this process or do you have a year? Do you have two years, three years? So, um, I really like to try to get on this as fast as possible because soil is such a, a changing thing. And the longer you wait to do this, um, the more trouble you could run into trying to, to get this through with the IRS. That's not to say if you, have, if you bought a parcel um, a couple of years ago, and the guidance I've gotten from CPAs has been, uh, we'll, we'll accept them within two or three years. But really- Do you set to file an amendment to your taxes to go back? Have, correct. Yep. You would have to file an amendment. Yep. Okay. So- to, what one year is best or right away is best, but for someone listening that maybe bought a farm two or three years ago, mm -hmm. it's worth having a conversation. Beyond that, you're probably missed the boat. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely say um, get a hold of me and we can kind of walk through what it might look like. Um, and there's some parameters that we would need to hit. If you have a farm that you bought two or three years ago, uh, we would need to have a soil test from that time of purchase. Mm, okay. So that's where you might, some folks might get messed up is if, if you don't have a, a, a soil test from that time, mm -hmm. um, I, I, there's just unfortunately nothing I can do. So. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. And I want to walk through some specific examples later, but as we're mm -hmm. talking through this, I mean, what are some of the benefits for somebody doing this? Cause right now someone's like, man, people, people get a little nervous when you say IRS and deduction, even though the code's written to utilize it. But I mean, what is, what is some of the 
what's the purpose of doing it? Obviously, it's yeah. to save money and deduct income, but is it is it worthwhile from what right. you've seen? Absolutely. So maybe it would be best to start off um, and just talk about how this works, and then we can maybe talk about why you should do it, and and it'll become yeah. pretty evident when we're walking through why you should. Okay, so um, a client purchases a parcel of land. Okay, At auction environment. Um, private treaty, how, however it's per, however it's mm-hmm. purchased. Okay, so you have the land in your possession. Um, you'd get a hold of me and you'd say, hey, I'd really like to look into uh, into the section 180 uh, depreciation. I'd say, great, okay. So there's kind of two ways we can go about it. If you have a soil test from the time of purchase, so let's say you bought a farm last October and you had it immediately soil tested in October, November, somewhere in mm-hmm. there. That's great that you've done the, the most important thing already. <laughs> right. Okay. So you could provide that information to me and I would conduct the report from there. If you don't have a soil test, uh, my company is actually, that's how we started. We've, we've mm-hmm. been in business 40 years, soil testing for 40 years. And so that's really where our bread and butter is. So uh, you would have my company come out, collect soil samples, do the analysis, and and run the project from there. Okay, so whichever direction we go, the next step would be determining how much excess fertility is out is out there. All right, and so depending on the state in which the parcel is, I would use that state's land grant university. So in Illinois. Our our, univ- our land grant is the University of Illinois. So mm-hmm. let's just talk Illinois for now. We can conduct these in any state, um, but let's just talk Illinois. So the University of Illinois has certain standards for uh, crop production. Okay, how much nutrients they consider optimal for crop production. So based off the soil tests, I go in there and I say, okay, so your soil test is at uh, this level, and based off of what the U of I says, um, you are above that optimal level by such and such amount. Okay. We take that excess amount and I assign a value to it based off of what the USDA says was the value of fertilizer at the time of purchase. Mm-hmm. And here's what's the really beautiful thing about this I'm using. Uh, quasi-governmental agency information, so the universities, mm-hmm. backing it up with governmental information from the USDA. Okay, so in my mind, this makes these reports really bulletproof. So, mm-hmm. so folks should feel very safe and comfortable about that. Okay, so we have signed a we assign a value, and I I send you the 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 opinion of value report. You provide that to your CPA. And you're able to potentially, I have to speak of potential. <laughs> yep. Always provide that to your CPA and you could potentially depreciate that, that amount. The excess. Off your taxes. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Typically, uh, most folks take this uh, over one year. So you could really knock back your tax burden by- For that year. Payment. Exactly right. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's- really impactful to be able to take a, a deduction of that size. So let's say, does it come off when you do this math? Is it on like a per acre basis of 
you know, the, you can use a standard a, a deduction of a thousand dollars per acre based on the excess fertility. Is that how that looks, or what is what is someone actually going to get in their hands when when they see the report and, and talk to their CPA? Yeah, absolutely. So the reports that I give, they do break things down into a per acre basis, um, as well as a, a total enterprise value, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, I will say it's not it is not hard based off you know kind of normal soil tests. It, you know, say your farm's in, in average to good shape. Um, it's not hard for me to find between two and 500 bucks per acre in, mm-hmm. in excess value. So, mm-hmm. you know, my using, you think about like what I'm charging for my fee is just a drop in the hat compared to what the potential is for mm-hmm. savings. And, and it's not unreasonable for me to find 800 to a thousand bucks an acre either. What's the most you've ever found? I got to ask. I just did one the other day the, in Northern Indiana, the gentle, I've got it here. The gentleman uh, had $1,100 in excess fertility value per acre. Mm. Uh, that was across, uh, it was like a 32 acre farm. So the total came out to be $38,000. Wow. And so to take that a step further, let's say someone's in a 30% tax bracket. Mm-hmm. And so 38,000 times 0.3, I mean, that's almost $12,000, um, kind of like quote unquote in your pocket from the savings of, of deducting that off your, cause it goes off. I assume this is deducting off your total adjustable gross income for the year. I, that would be a good question for a CPA, but yes, generally okay. that's how I understand it works. Yep. Yep. So that's, I mean, that's really impactful. That basically is an extra, you know, $11,000 quote unquote in your pocket deducting $38,000 for something. What, I mean, I'm sure it's different on the farm and location, everything else, but is there a rule of thumb of what a service like this costs on a per acre basis? Yeah. So, um, I, I do it pretty simply really. Um, if you have soil tests that are current or the, and they kind of fall within those parameters that we discussed, um, I charge $10 per acre. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <clears throat> if you need my company to do everything, come out, collect samples, uh, and <clears throat> conduct the report from there, it's $20 per acre. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when you're looking at a, a return of potentially $800 an acre or even $200 an acre, I mean, it's still such a, a minuscule cost in the grand scheme of things to get it done. Now, I assume, once again, I'm assuming, I, I'm, this is all very new to me, so I'm just walking through this top of mind. So I assume with how expensive it is for inputs with fertilizer and things of that nature, that this is probably a really good, t- good time to do it in comparison to maybe what it was 10, 15 years ago. Absolutely. So you have kind of two factors that play in here. Um, your soil test levels, so the <clears throat> the amount of nutrients that are out there, and then the value of the fertilizer at the time of purchase. So last fall, when a lot of land sales were being made, as you oh, yeah. know, yeah. Um, it was not unheard of to see $950 a ton for um, uh, a phosphorus product and, uh, eight or 900 bucks per ton for a potassium product. So mm-hmm. the, the increased prices of the fertilizer really played into a lot of, to a lot of my clients, um, depreciating a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I can just imagine on <clears throat> like how, I mean, once again, uh, just a very high level of just like walking through an example, like let's say you bought a farm for $10,000 an acre, you're able to 
deduct basically, let's say a thousand dollars an acre from mm -hmm. by depreciating this. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it land's still really expensive. Everything else is really expensive, but it kind of helps helps that burden, especially for most people who are buying their first farm out of pocket cash. Mm -hmm. And so to go in and be able to depreciate that off their taxable income and uh, ultimately put more money in their pocket too. Yeah, absolutely. And and how it works, it this value that you depreciate, it, it's going to go against your basis in the property. So when you sell it down the road too, if you do. Exactly. That's a good point. Yeah. So that's a question that, that kind of comes up down the line a lot of times with clients. So yes, when you depreciate this and you take it off, take the value off the basis in your property, the IRS is going to want to see that on the backside. Sure. Um, so to my knowledge or to my understanding, that is um, taxed at a capital gains mm -hmm. on the back end. Okay. But on the front end, it's against your income. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to sell, you would rather take it against your capital gains than your personal income. Personal income, exactly. Yeah. And so that brings into another point that I like to talk with people about. You know, a lot of my clients are are farmers, owner operators, um, folks like that that have no intention of ever selling their farm. Mm -hmm. There's their um, operation plans on 1031 exchange. I was just going to bring that up. Yep. So. When you 1031 exchange, when if and if your listeners maybe aren't as familiar with that, it's the um, it's it's a deferment of tax on land that's sold essentially by yeah. trading it out. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> excuse me. So in this case, you would buy the land, you would depreciate this excess fertility, you would knock it off your basis down the road. You'd 1031 defer that tax and yep. you would never feel the yeah. that burden. Yep. Okay. So yeah, it would be imperative for someone that wanted to, if you're doing this, it makes even more sense to do a 1031. If you're taking this depreciation on the front end, take that gains. I there, I talked to a, a 1031 specialist once and he explained it really nicely. If the, the gain of a transaction, so the profit of a transaction is radioactive money. You need to bury that radioactive money into the next property. And if you sell that one, dig it up and the additional new radioactive money go buried into the next farm. And so I think that may help people understand what that may look like. Absolutely. Yes. That's a good way of looking at it. And I've got a good story. I like telling stories and I think it helps people relate. <clears throat> so a doctor, a wealthy doctor from Dallas called me. Um, early January. And he said, I, listen, I bought two farms in Northern Illinois. He's from Illinois and uh, his wife's family was there and they had some farms there. Um, and he's like, I'd like to do this, sir. I'd like to, I'd like to try this out. Okay. So we did the report. We found $800 per acre for this gentleman and across his home, his, the farm, it was $70,000. Wow. Okay. Do you think a doctor from Dallas is going to benefit pretty well from a $70,000 oh, deduction. It's probably in a higher than a 30% tax break. Yeah. Right. So he was very excited and happy that, that we found that. And so what I kind of, you know, you break that down further and you think my fee was 1% of mm -hmm. his potential saving. Would you spend 10 or 10 or 20 bucks an acre to, to depreciate 800? All day, every day. All day, That's, every day. Yeah. Yeah. You, I don't know what else you find a return on. Um, 
that easily. <laughs> right, exactly. And, you know, you rec- you recoup my fee so quickly. It's just, I tell people, if you are buying land, you need to be investigating this. Yeah. And, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, it's a, it's a no-brainer to at least to at least look into it. Absolutely. Um, what? Here's a question for you. Do you yeah. have to be an actual operator on the fu- or like on the farm? So like he's in Dallas, Texas. He's a doctor. He's probably not out there actually farming it. Is he listed as an operator or or have a crop share on that farm so he could engage in this? I assume. Yeah. So that is a um, that's a gray area. In that gentleman's case. He was, uh, they, their arrangement between himself and the tenant was a, a 50, 50, or it was a share, a share crop of some sort arrangement. Mm-hmm. So he had material participation in the business. Was, did he get to utilize the full deduction or would he, what message, and we, and we can just and generalize here. So like, let's say you are doing a 50, 50 crop share and you are kind of listed as an operator on the farm. Do you still get to take the full deduction because you are engaging in that business and have inputs? To my understanding, it's, yeah, it's going to go, it's going to go to the owner. Okay. So yep. yeah, even though he's 50, 50, he's still the owner of the property and it's his, uh, his dirt. His that's burden. getting Exactly. Yep. 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 So, okay. Now that, um, that makes a lot of sense. So, but to kind of go further on that question, that's going to be CPA dependent. And I know that's a, it's, it's a cop-out answer. But I've had some CPAs that have come back and said, yeah, I've got no problem signing off on this, mm-hmm. even, even though the landowner is uh, you know, um, absentee and really is only collecting rents. Okay? Mm-hmm. And then I've had the share crop situation. The, the ones that are a, an obvious slam dunk to do these on are owner operators. Mm-hmm. So if you're somebody that's purchasing farmland uh, to farm yourself, there's no question that you can take advantage of this. Mm-hmm. So it, talk with your CPA um, yeah. and, and we can see what we can get done for you. Mm-hmm. Now let's say, let's walk through an example. Um, I, I or someone buys 100 acres, 50 of 50. Well, okay. Let me break it down. Make it more complex for you. <laughs> okay. Do I need a calculator? <laughs> no, not yet. Uh, so okay. hundred acres, okay. 25 of it is tillable ground and production. And you're going to do a similar crop share uh, as the example we were just discussing. Yep. Uh, 50 of it is timber. So we have 25 FSA tillable acres that are in production. Then we have another 25 that is in going to get enrolled in the CRP okay. the following year. And so like, let's say for that year it was 50 tillable the following year, it's going to get enrolled in the CRP. Are you able to still do the full 50 acres, even though 25 of it is going to get into enrolled in the CRP in a year or two? My initial reaction to that question would be yes. Okay. For the reason that um, just because it's going into CRP doesn't mean that it's going to be CRP forever. Mm-hmm. And it's very possible that it could revert back to cropland at some point. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now what's initial thought? Let's say someone's looking at a hundred acres in Iowa. I see a lot of farms like a hundred acres in Iowa or some other like more Western prairie situation where all of it's CRP. Mm-hmm. Are you able to do that on that basis when you purchase it? It's already enrolled. Would you sure. be able to utilize that that then or not since it's not in production or in a, a quote unquote ag situation? Sure. That'd be a good question. That would be something that I, I should really research into that. I haven't run into a situation yet in which that um, that's happened. But again, kind of going off 
my last answer, uh, just because it's CRP now doesn't mean that it, it will, will be, be in the future. Yeah, it will be forever. Yeah. And yeah. so it's at the end of the day, it's it it still could be cropland. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's interesting. Man, it's great. It's it's so fascinating to me, like all these different things. I, I assume this tax code has been out for a long time. Yeah, that's the wild thing. Um, all the research I've done has indicated to me that this has been in the tax code since the 1950s. That's crazy. Um, um, now, why people haven't taken advantage of it until recently, I'm not sure. I mean, it's uh, it's it's probably a little bit scary for folks, and I can understand that. And you know, I think too, maybe something a part of this would be up until recently, farms maybe weren't taken care of as well as they have been recently. Mm-hmm. So there might not have been a lot of excess, excess fertility. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so. and I assume the like how the formula works, maybe the inputs weren't really that expensive. And so maybe it wouldn't have made sense to to the point where it is today. Sure. Yeah. So that's that's a, a good point. Um, we're starting to see a little bit of a, um, a softening, let's say in the fertilizer prices. Okay. So again, it's going to be, it's two factors that go into this, the, the soil test levels and, and the value of fertilizer. So, um, as we move forward and fertilizer prices continue to go down, the amount potentially to depreciate could go down as well. So, um, if you bought a farm last fall, we need to have a discussion <laughs> you need very to, you need soon. To, need to discover this now. Yeah, let's see. I had a question. Oh, how how old is the data that you're referencing? So you're mentioning the University of Illinois, and then obviously the government uh, data point as well. Is that updated monthly, yearly? Because I know a lot of that, a lot of the research, at least for Illinois, is usually like a year or two behind. And I remember looking at like cash rent rates or land prices on the most recent piece of uh, information that the University of Illinois put out. And it was, you know, obviously 20% lower than what we were seeing real time. Sure. Yeah. So the information uh, where I gather my, um, the fertilizer value information from, that's a bi-weekly report put out by the Okay. So very real time. That's very real time. I mean, about as real time as you can get. Um, the, uh, the optimal soil test value numbers, that's going to be state to state. So some states update those maybe every couple of years. Um, you know, those, the optimal values really, once they're established, I don't know that they're really going to be messed with. Mm -hmm. So, uh, each stake is probably a little bit different, but honestly, most states are pretty much in agreement how much nutrients it takes to grow a crop. Mm-hmm. So, and I, is that baseline the bare minimum of what what science says? Exactly. Yeah. So it's um, and it, let's just go with Illinois. So forty pounds per acre for phosphorus for most each part of the state has some a little different numbers, but let's just say forty pounds per acre on phosphorus and. Uh, 300 pounds per acre on potassium. So those are kind of like, hey, this is the floor in which you can produce a crop. And so that's where we start our numbers, for our, our calculations from. Mm-hmm. So, and you're only testing for phosphorus and potassium? Nope. Is, cal- is there any other like calcium or anything else in there that you can test for or use for depreciation? Yeah. So um, yes and no. 
Uh, my lab, we do all the normal soil testing uh, regimens. So all the, the macronutrients, micronutrients, uh, CEC, uh, okay. anything, anything that uh, someone would want to see on a soil test, we can do. Now, currently, uh, this is only available, the, the depreciation side of things is only available to phosphorus and potassium. Okay. Okay. So, so those two items. Correct. Interesting. That's pretty fascinating. I think for a lot of the recreational buyers that listen to this too, obviously a lot of these farms maybe have 10% tillable, 20% tillable. And based off of the cost being on a per acre basis, you're not really penalized by only having 10 acres or, or 15 acres in the grand scheme of things. Because the cost basis of having this, you know, someone like yourself go do it is, is a kind of a fixed cost, meaning like per acre basis. And so it doesn't really matter if it's thousand acres or 10 acres. Is that a right assumption? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm only go, I only charge for my services based off of the, the tillable acres yeah. that we, that we go out and we use GPS devices to, to measure those out. So, yep. You're only getting, if you have a thousand acre farm, but only 10 acres of cropland, um, you're getting charged for 10 acres. Mm -hmm. Here's a, I'll probably stump you on this one because it's pretty random. What about down south where it's mainly timber plantations? Mm -hmm. Can you still do this section 180 for timberland for timber production? I know it's way out of your scope. Yeah, too. Well, <laughs> well, it's a little bit out of my scope and I will start off by saying I haven't done any, but I think there is some potential there and I would need to do some research and I've got some good information. I was just reading um, uh, some information in an article earlier today about how folks were on a timber on a timberland investment they were they had a forester out um, and the forester did a survey and was able to help them depreciate the value of their trees at the time of purchase by um, actually using a bore and boring into the trees to find out the age and subtracting their time of ownership so um, that's something I'm looking to get into I'm not a forester so I'm I'm working with some folks maybe to to get that rolling, but that is something uh, that I think has some potential. So as far as the nutrient side goes, I have heard of uh, some people doing it and I'm more than happy to walk through that situation with somebody if, mm -hmm. that's, uh, the, if that's where they're at, yep. Mm -hmm. The reason I ask is that there's a lot of people from all over the country that listen to this. So I always try to cater it to, let's say you're in this part of the country or, or somewhere else. So yeah, absolutely. Um, that's that's pretty interesting. Now, what about uh, once again? So, let's say a state. Are those baseline metrics pretty similar across the board from state to state, or does that change drastically from, let's say, an Illinois or an Iowa to Pennsylvania tillable? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, and I haven't done research on every state, um, but I think agronomically, crops are pretty much going to require the same amount of nutrients across the board. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there, those, those optimal values are going to be pretty close to that 40 pounds per acre on phosphorus and 300 pounds per acre on potassium. Somewhere in there, I would be willing to bet it's going to be most every state. Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, this is really exciting because I think one, one thing that sometimes land owners, like you look at a multifamily property or just a different business, there's usually more deductions that meet the eye than owning raw ground. And this is probably that gap of information that most people don't realize like, Hey, this is probably the best tool 
to use deductions on raw ground that is productive and farm ground. Sure. So, um, yeah, kind of a, I've got another story there. Um, I am working with an organization. It's kind of a, a private equity group, I would say, that is in the business of, of buying farmland as, as an investment. And they purchased uh, or are in the process of purchasing about 10,000 acres out west. Uh, I'm not going to say which state, but um, they come from the commercial real estate world. So they're very, very familiar with cost segregation studies. Mm -hmm. And this is essentially a cost segregation study. We come in and we say, okay, you can apply this amount of value to this asset and depreciate it on your taxes. So that was a case where, yeah, the, the, the folks were very familiar with commercial real estate and we stepped in and we said, Hey, this is the same thing except agriculture. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, you know, I've done this, I've owned this business since 2016 and the entire time I've talked to customers about soil testing and soil testing is great. It's important, but it's boring. No one, no, <laughs> no one, one cares. Excited. Yeah. No one gets excited about soil testing, but when you throw in um, this idea that you might be able to save some money on your taxes, uh, oh, that's, yeah. that's a fun conversation. So I'm just having so much fun and uh, really excited to be talking uh, about this with folks. So it's, it's a yeah, nice yeah. change of pace for sure. Mm -hmm. No, I, I, it's certainly fascinating that this is available for, for folks to explore. I mean, I think that's, that's the beautiful thing of it. And when you talk about potentially being able to deduct thousand dollars an acre or $500 an acre or $200 an acre, I mean, that's real money. That is real yeah, money. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the other thing I've done. These is I think a way that you could think about it, as long as you're recouping my costs plus some, it's a no brainer. I've done, I've done some reports and, and not every report's going to get 800 bucks an acre. Um, but I've done them that has gone as low as like a hundred bucks an acre. Mm -hmm. well, that's still, still that's still money, you know, yeah. that's, uh, that's well worth the time. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but when you start talking about that five to Five hundred to a thousand dollars per acre. You have an eighty-acre farm. Uh, that's that's a nice little Christmas bonus. Yeah. <laughs> is there is there anything else that when you talk to potential clients that would would use your service? Is there anything that we haven't covered that people need to know? So again, I think the most important thing is having a fresh soil test. And again, that's key. That is really the key of this. And the other important piece is. You really need to be able to answer the question, um, no, first of all, that you have you applied fertilizer before you had a soil test. I, could, I was thinking that in the back of my head, like, I bet you there's some people that would, I mean, if someone would try to take advantage of it, that would be one way. It would that. be. And, and, and here's the thing, you know, I, um, I try to work with honest people, uh, yeah. and you know, I, I do business honestly. Um, so I have to rely on someone telling me no. To that question, and I feel there's that. there's a paper trail there. I feel that would be absolutely something hard. Yeah. to to do it at scale. I feel like that'd be very very challenging to to kind of work around. Right. If if you get audited by the IRS, I I have no doubt that they would they be would. able to come up with that pretty easily. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. So no. yeah, that the the again the soil test um, pretty close to the time of purchase is, is really important. 
and do not apply fertilizer uh, before you have that test done. Okay. Anything else that you can think of that that's really important? I mean, we covered, I feel, I feel after our conversation, I have a much better understanding on this. So I appreciate you taking the time to do so. Cause I think this is, as we discussed, something that's drastically overlooked. So just informing people that this is an option, I think is, is really important. Is there anything else that you can think of? Absolutely. So, um, you know, if you choose to work with us on the full scale, as far as, you know, we go out and collect the samples and, and do all the testing, you know, that you would get all the advantages of that service as well. So, all of True. the soil test information, all of our recommendations, GPS information, um, and we we have the ability to make the the variable rate spread files for farmers um, and, and tenants. So you get a you get a lot of value. And the other piece too, um, if you send me a soil test to to look at, I will do that at no charge. I will if you send me a soil test and say, hey, do we have anything here? I, I'm more than happy to take a look and say, yes, we have something you can expect between uh, two and two and $300 per acre. Would you like to proceed with a, a report? I won't ever do, I won't ever um, have somebody send me a, a soil test and then uh, send them a bill and say, oh, sorry, there wasn't any excess fertility there, but here's my, here's my bill. Yeah. So there's, yeah. there's some safety there. I just want to, I just really want to help people take advantage of this. And, and I know that not every situation is going to um, work out for people, but I'm happy to, to take a look at a soil test and, um, and see where we're at. And, and if you need us to come out and collect samples and we find out that there's no excess there, I'm going to just charge you for my normal soil testing fee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So stuff, information that you should probably know anyways. Absolutely. I mean, at, yes. At the end of the day. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's not useless information all of a sudden because you don't get a giant deduction. Sure. Yeah. That's it. that's really interesting. How did you get into to the business? I mean, obviously you purchased it in 2016. Congratulations. That's really cool. How how did you get into this field? Yeah, it's kind of crazy, really. Um, so when I was in college, I had an internship at this company. Okay. Uh summer internship, crop scouting. Um, figured out I really liked it kind of went back to school in the fall semester and um, even crazier story. So my family vacations in Florida, uh, the owner vacationed in Florida. They actually, we were staying in the same neighborhood as <laughs> each true. other. We wow. run into each other. Uh, we kind of had a conversation, went out to lunch and, and the owner uh, mentioned, Hey, I'm, I'm thinking about selling the business. Um, and approached my, my dad and I, and, uh, we went into business together. So that's cool. It's been a, um, it's been a roller coaster in this industry. Uh, the first couple of years were really hard, uh, with crop prices being so low. Um, now that we've seen a resurgence in crop prices, things have, have been better, but this is an industry that's, uh, tends to be feast or famine. So yeah, when I learned about this and I have to give credit, I I'm not so smart that I came up with this on my own. Um, I have a, cl- a client that asked me about it and thank you, Eric. I'm not going to say your last name, but thank <laughs> you, Eric. <laughs> um, he had meant, he asked me, Hey, have you heard of this? You know, have you done any of these or, you know, do you know anything about it? And I said, no, but I'll do some research, did some research, um, consulted with some, some CPAs and I got the blessing from a couple C- different CPAs and, and we started and we started doing this. So this has been a really exciting piece of the business. And, and I, 
I really look forward to, to helping people out with it. That's awesome, man. That's really cool. What, so talking about, <clears throat> give me your, uh, give me your general consensus on the marketplace right now in terms of land and, and what you feel uh, may happen in the you know, next year. I like to ask everyone this because it's fun. I think it's a fun thing for people to have to voice their opinion and put them to the yeah, put yeah, their feet to no. the fire. So give, give us your hot take here. So over the next year, this 2023, I think that we're probably about peaked out on on land values. Um, there might be some bumps up and bumps down here and there, but I think overall we've probably about peaked at at, at top end value. I just saw a uh, an auction um, in Tazewell County uh, today or yesterday um, that broke twenty thousand an acre. Uh, mm-hmm. Tazewell County, that's pretty amazing, really. Yeah. I'm in Sh- I'm in Champaign County, Illinois, and Bill um, Gates country. Bill Gates country <laughs> and uh, well, a lot of investor country really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's not uncommon for us to see 20,000, uh, 20,000 an acre pretty consistently. There's been some 21s, 23s. It's crazy. Um, it's crazy. And so um, I think we've peaked for the most part. There might be a little bit of softening this year. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, farmland is one of the safest most stable investments you could possibly make recreational and, land too, land in general. Yeah. And I think that's why so much smart money, I call it smart money. I mean, obviously if they have like, that's why people are investing in that. It's obviously a limited asset. Historically, it's been very, very strong. And then especially farm ground too, you, you get the, the, the return, the annual return of the crops, and then you get to ride the appreciation of raw land. And um, obviously there's a, a lot of really smart people that agree. And that's why so many I would say, I'm going to say billions of dollars have really flooded into that in the last, I don't know, two years, three years. Sure. It's, it's, uh, farmland is not sexy, but it's stable. Um, you can anticipate, and this is a broad generalization, but across the board, it's pretty typical. I think, uh, a two to 3% annual return, um, off your rents or, or whatnot. And then who knows what your appreciation value is. Mm-hmm. So you might you might net out at the end of the game at 10 or 12 percent or more at at the end of your investment time frame. So where else you can do that right now, especially at six to eight percent inflation? Um, yeah, you're you're only getting your two or three percent annually. So you're you're not netting. But at the end of the game, you've you've owned farmland. You maybe got to hunt on the land. Uh, play enjoy it, out, step on it, absolutely. <laughs> pick up the dirt, throw yeah. a rock, <laughs> absolutely enjoy it in some manner. And then at the end of it and sell it, uh, realize your appreciation. And, you know, we've talked, we talked about how farmland your land in general is kind of peaking right now. Um, but it was peaking. It's always been peaking. Yeah. 10, 10, 15 years ago, people thought you would have been crazy to buy agricultural land at, uh, I don't know, 10 or Ten thousand yep. dollars an acre. That was the number uh, that came to mind for me too. Yeah. Yeah. So we're at twenty now. Double your double your investment. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. I I was I recorded another episode earlier this week and not to be redundant for the, for the listeners, but you look at people. There was I follow some financial accounts and they always like make the memes of when it was the, like the Nasdaq was going to hit a peak number in the nineties and they're like oh that's crazy and now it's you know 
three X that. And I feel that people don't follow that. Like the average public does not follow that as much as hearsay with farm ground. And so I think it's hard for people to materialize that. Yeah. 7% compounding growth, 11 years, it'll double. And so it's like, that's, that's just the, the magic number there. Well, and they, and you know, the old saying is the best time to buy land was a long time ago. The second best time to buy land is right now. Um, just need to get in it. Okay. Buy, buy things. Well, don't overextend yourself, but, um, farm land has a pretty solid history of, of, of good appreciation. So now, um, I don't know what next, no one knows what next year is going to bring. Uh, but I just, I'm just not seeing as long as crop prices remain stable, which I think they are, they're softening a little bit, but, um, I think as long as the deal in Ukraine is going on, it's a terrible thing, um, unfortunately, but I think as long as there's issues in Ukraine, grain prices are probably going to be pretty stable. And so I think land prices are going to remain remain the same. I, if, you're, if you're sitting there thinking, I'm going to wait until land goes down to buy, I think you need to reevaluate. I, I think you need to reevaluate your decision there. Because I just... It might soften again. Land might soften a little bit, but I don't think it's going to be enough to to make sense for your waiting. If you yeah. have the money and you can buy it right, buy it. I I couldn't agree more. Obviously, no one knows the the future, but if history is any indication of the future, um, I agree with that statement. Absolutely. Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to educate all of us on this and. Uh, I really appreciate it. Go ahead and uh, share your website there. So if someone wants to find you, they can do so. Yeah. So I can be found on quite a few different um, areas, but yeah, my website is um, www.asmlabs, that's L-A-B-S.net. And there is a tab on there um, with the IRS 180 information and um, our soil testing information as well. Um, I can be found on LinkedIn. That's kind of my professional area. Um, Alec Bean on there. Um, and uh, I'll give Jake my uh, cell phone information and my email address. And, uh, you know, if he wants to provide that. Um, yeah, just reach out happy. to me. Make a, make a connection. Uh, make an introduction for you guys. Absolutely. Um, but other than that, I'm around. I'm, I'm happy to have a conversation with folks. Uh, about this and and see see what we can get saved for you. Awesome. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. There you guys have it. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Be sure to check out the upgrade program from Exodus. Head over to Acres. Check out the mapping software. Poke around. If you own a farm, look at it. I think it's really cool. And if there's a property that you're interested in, check that out. Uh, they have listings on there. They have recent comparable sales. Everything, one spot. Go check it out. Hope you guys have an excellent week. Until next time, see you.